It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. Broadcasting from the Morton studio today, I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Yes, it's Farmer Friday. Our phone lines will be open all throughout the show. If you'd like to call in, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute. Before we do, I just want to encourage you, as you may be getting close to wrapping up harvest on your farm, please be safe. In our area here, we haven't lost a single day during fall to rain, which means that a lot of people have been going nonstop the whole time. And one of the things our dad always talked to us about is, hey, if you don't get a good night's sleep on a regular basis, you are going to be tired. And when you are tired, you are more likely to get hurt. So be smart, take your time, always use the proper safety gear and everything else. Uh, There's nothing that is more important on the farm than safety. So make sure that's always at the forefront. Okay, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. All right, Brian, I'm going to throw you a question, one of your favorite topics, water hemp control. But I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball here. This one comes from Clayton over in Illinois. He said, all right, guys, I've got some Roundup-resistant water hemp in my sweet corn. What can I use pre-plant and post-emerge that isn't going to be too hard in the sweet corn that would take out the water hemp? And I also got a soil testing question, but let me tell you what I'm using for my treatments right now. I've been using two pints of triple flex along with a quart of atrazine pre-emerge. Then post-emerge, I'm using 48 ounces of Roundup, three ounces of Callisto, and 16 ounces of Brawl. Is Brawl dicamba? No, Brawl is is dual. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, metallochlor. Yep. Okay, so pre-emerge, Two pints of triple flex with a quart to atrazine. That's a full pound of atrazine. And then post-emerge, 48 ounces of Roundup, three ounces of Callisto, 16 ounces of Metallochlor. Okay, give me just a minute here. i got to check something real quick. I don't want to say something that's okay, not Okay, so first right of all, Clayton, I think taking water. two shots at the water hemp is the right way to go. And I think utilizing as many different modes of action at full rates as we can, I think that's good as long as those modes of action are effective. I understand you're still going to use the Roundup post-emerge if you've got Roundup Ready Sweet Corn to control grasses and those types of things. But if your only broadleaf weed was water hemp and your only grasses are foxtails, you won't have to use such a high rate anymore. You won't need that full 48 ounces. You can probably get by with Yeah, but Darren, you mentioned full rate. Well, he's not using full rate of a Group 15 pre-emerge. He's got triple flex, and if water hemp's our weed, um, when you've got a cut rate out there of surpass, that's not going to do it, or harness, and then you've got stinger, that that's not very good on water hemp. you got python, well, chances are your water hemp's ALS resistant, so that's not going to work. So triple flex is not the best choice pre-emerge. Instead, what I would do is I'd go verdict, and I'd spike it with a little bit more outlook or any other group 15 to get your group 15 up to the absolute full rate. I'd also take the atrazine out, and I would use that post-emerge. Throw that in with your Roundup. And if you want to use Callisto, that's fine. But Impact or Armazon is going to be much easier on that sweet corn. And I would suggest you continue with almost the identical program you're running today. It's just 
Leave the Roundup in, switch the Callisto out, and put in either Impact or Armazon. It's also an HPPD, so it's real similar. Throw your Atrazine in at that point and leave the Brawl or Dual in. So if you do that, you'll get better control primarily because you started with Verdict Pre. That's got Sharpen in it, and that is outstanding on water hemp, and it'll give you some decent residual. All right, Clayton's other question is, do you guys recommend soil testing every year? I've got a 12-acre spot that I'm doing the sweet corn in. Uh, what would be your recommendation if, if that was a moneymaker for you? Well, on our farm, we soil test every year. You do not have to soil test every year. Yeah. But what I would encourage you to do is go with small grits. I don't know how many tests you're pulling out there in your 12 acres, but I would pull 12 different tests. Here's the challenge, Clayton. On our farm, we'll look at what crop nutrient removal was in our fields. You aren't going to have that. If you're hand-picking ears, that type of thing, I, I don't, I'm not imagining you have some sort of yield map that's showing where you got the best performance out in those 12 acres or exactly how much that performance was, how much it removed from the soil, all those kinds of things. So you know, it just depends on how much that sweet corn's worth to you. I know how much the sweet corn stands charge for a dozen ears of sweet corn. It's not what it used to be. Uh, not, it's not a dollar a dozen like it used to be at one point. Uh, it's, it's a lot more than that. In some cases, it might even be a dollar an ear. Well, let's just say you got 20,000 ears per acre. Uh, that could be worth it. And when you can soil test and it only costs $10 to run a complete Malik 3 analysis, to me, I, I think I'd do that on those 12 acres. You spend 120 bucks to know exactly what you need to do. You know, if it was just this 12 acres, I'd say absolutely. I would test every year so I knew how to fertilize. All right. Thanks for the questions. We really appreciate it. Good luck on that water hemp control this coming year. If you had a bad outbreak this last season, it's going to make it that much tougher to control that going forward. So so make sure you're you're getting after it. Okay, I had a question here from uh, McCoy who said, guys, you talked about some naturals you're using to treat spray water. Also, just wondering, are there some other things that you would put to treat your spray water? And do regular ag chem dealers in your local small town co-op type place, do they carry these kinds of things? Okay, two main things we talk about with water. When it comes to using biologicals, we really worry about having chlorine in water because chlorine is there to kill microbes. Well, if you're trying to use beneficial microbes, that's a problem. There's a product we use. It's called BioPrep. Probably costs us three cents an acre, five cents an acre. It's almost nothing. And that will turn the chlorine into chloride. Now, chloride's a plant nutrient, and that is not going to hurt your microbes. The other thing is, and we've talked about this for years, you want to take a look at not just pH of the water, but hard water ions that could tie up whether it's herbicides or biologicals, anything else. So we've used ammonium sulfate. There are water conditioning agents. Uh, lots of different choices there, but take a look at calcium, magnesium, iron, copper, and then what your water pH is. And almost anybody has something that'll treat that water. We'll be right back. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get maximum spray drift control with Pentair Hypro Ultra Low Drift Max Nozzles. The ideal nozzle for dicamba and 240 applications, providing up to 95% drift reduction. Ensure you get the best coverage on hard-to-hit targets. Learn more at Pentair.com Hypro. It came on a night like any other. 
with power unlike anything else on Earth. Using beyond advanced active ingredients like bicyclopyrone, Acuron GT post-emergence corn herbicide is here to annihilate tough weeds. Advanced technology, enhanced control. Talk to your Syngenta retailer about Acuron GT. Always read and follow label instructions. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. There's a new kind of crop protection in your territory, and it's always on the hunt. Howler Fungicide unleashes multiple modes of action for proven, broad-spectrum protection against soil-borne and foliar diseases. Start protecting your territory at agbiome.com slash howler. Did you know 20% of stored corn is often overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for less with the end zone for corn from Farm Shop MFG. Specially priced at $1,800 per unit while supplies last. Harvest is rolling along, lots of things happening out on farms, and we have reached another Farmer Friday to talk about it all. Our phone lines will be open here in the Morton studio at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. I have a stack of soil tests in front of me. Uh, hey, guys, can you take a look at these? You bet we can. We're happy to do that for you. Uh, it, it's kind of fun, and, and I think the more we talk about it, too, you realize, oh, okay, there's some other guys with some soil challenges, too. Yes, yes, we need to share this stuff and talk about it with other farmers and figure out, okay, what are you doing that's working, and, and what can we do to get better? You know, handling our grain is really important, too, and uh, it doesn't get better. Most of the times it can get worse really easy. So we want to make sure we're doing things right. Got our friend Tony Wendler with us right now with Farm Shop MFG to talk about grain a little bit. Tony, how you doing? I am excellent today, Darren. Beautiful day here in the Midwest. Oh, we are lucking out with this weather for sure. Now, I, I would love to have some rain, uh, but we can get done with all our fall work first. Then it can rain. That'd be okay with me, too. That's that's my choice. All right, so uh, what, what yeah. do you want to talk about today, Tony? What are you seeing and what are you hearing from farmers out there? I got a, I got a couple of things that I wanted to uh, uh, touch base on. I had sent over some pictures to Janelle. I don't know if you had a chance to look at them. But yes, I got I, them right in front of me. I went earlier, uh, well, looking at potentially a dry year, I kind of look for an emphasis on drought-resistant corn. And in June, when corn hit 7 bucks. I went out and looked at my fields. I was wanting to uh, hedge, and I took a look at those fields, and I thought I was looking at an agave field, the way they were curled up and things like that, just the, the color. Uh, the uh, I was concerned that, uh, boy, I don't know what this is doing, but my fields look worse than everybody else's. And uh, But I did know that drought resistance, one of the components is curling to protect from moisture loss. Sure. The uh, as, as I got into August, I did some uh, kernel counts and thought, oh, this is going to do all right. I think I'll be pretty happy. Uh, and uh, was looking at the yields. They're going to be something over 200 with small kernels. Well, we had moisture in August and September, and those small kernels turned into big kernels. 
and that drought-resistant corn is doing 50 bushels per acre better than my neighbors. Wow. Uh, I am. I was looking across the fence at my neighbor's uh, field last night when I was running right along the fence, and I looked at his ear size compared to mine, and, uh, you know, there is a big difference. And my first field across the scale came in at 290.4. Oh, my goodness. If you would if you would have asked me back in uh, July, I would have been thinking, uh, man, if I do 200, I'll be pretty pleased. Yeah, if I would have offered uh, you 220, you would have taken that in a second. Oh, I would have, yeah. Yeah, hedge me on that, and you can have the difference. Uh, I am uh, I am so impressed. Uh, it's uh, 5952 is what I planted, a hefty variety. And uh, the uh, holy cow, am I impressed with that. Uh, the... Uh, the drought resistance did what it needed. It protected its water, and the stuff did fantastic. And uh, those pictures there, you look at those ear sizes. Um, I plant twin rows, so I push my population a little bit. The uh, that is a thirty-nine to forty thousand ear count. And I did some multiple measurements out there. The actually I had uh, a couple and were up at forty-one. The uh, so it's uh, there's huge and lots of ears out there, and it. Uh, I can I can get I got to be caught in the middle of the field. I can go only get halfway across the field. So it's a f- excellent problem. The other thing that I would like to talk about is that uh, uh, I have a lot of farmers talk to me about wanting to. Uh, uh, they've got beans in the bin. If you've not shipped them, you got them in the bin, and you got some time, you can still add moisture back to them. And uh, one of the things with our monitors, we put in what's called a bin spear, and it's. Easy to make. Anybody can make in the shop. Cost them a couple bucks, and that gives us a sensor low, and then run another one in under the roof. And they got a sensor at the top, so we got differentials, and we can rehydrate those beans. And I, I don't know what your math would be, but if we're adding five uh, percent to the bottom line, if you're looking at profits only, depending on how uh, cost effective they are, we're increasing their profits by fifteen to twenty percent. Would be my math, you know, because this is all going to the bottom line. It's just huge. Uh, it's when the, you get these opportunity years like this, we've we, we've seen so many guys taking out eight, nine percent moisture soybeans, and the same thing's happening on corn. We're seeing a lot of corn coming out now at thirteen percent. It's so dry. It's it, it, I don't know. We've lost a lot of money out there, no doubt about it. And uh, rehydrating soybeans, like you say, they, boy, you could you could make a lot of money doing that the right way with bin fan controls and and being able to sense how that that grain is throughout your bin. Yeah, it uh, it's. I got people ask me questions where they're going back and looking at their things, and I'm expecting a bunch of them to continue to be working with their beans and uh, increasing their yields while it's in the bin. So it's kind of a fun activity. Absolutely. Uh, we often talk about you got to be a hard worker as a farmer, but you also got to be smart. And uh, this is one of those smart things you can do to add some more money to your, your bottom line. Uh, Tony, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on again. This is Tony Wendler with Farm Shop MFG. You can find him at farmshopmfg.com. Thanks, Tony. Uh, let's head down to Arkansas. I got Jeff on with us right now. It sounds like about wrapping up harvest down there. How's it going, Jeff? Oh, about 105 more acres. Outstanding. We'll be done. Oh, what a good, you can actually get some sleep maybe, or you just get right to work on the next project. Well, we're planting wheat like crazy right behind the combine almost. And this is, um, it's been a weird year. That is for sure. But it's been 
it's been a long harvest. This is day thirty-seven. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I was and, just um, I was just talking to two other yeah. farm boys this morning, uh, Jeff, and we were just talking about growing up and how uh, people really didn't understand us when we said, "Look, we we might just have to pull an all nighter out there." Well, what? What are you talking about? There, there's a storm coming. <laughs> we got to go get it. <laughs> we uh, we probably should have done that the last time. We um, we planted some four six beans and desiccated them, and then we got an inch and one point four on them. And um, that's not faring too well at the moment uh, since the sun's popped back out. So got a lot of little white flags looking at me on top, and not real fun to that. Hey, Jeff, could you talk to us about desiccating soybeans? Because the guys up in the north here where we farm, uh, they're always curious about that. We we have something called frost that usually wipes everything out up here. We don't don't ever get to that point where we need to do it. But but wh- how does that add to your operation, and, and how does it make things a little more predictable? It, um, it sets an harvest date, almost perfect. Um, we're 10 days on when we play spray paraquat, dramoxone. Um, 10 days from the day we spray it, we're in the field. So you can stage your harvest um, pretty much on the calendar. What we do is we look at the 15-day forecast, and if it looks like, you know, things are looking good, then we um, we get out and spray, and then as soon as we can pull in, we pull in and start going, and it helps us stage out our harvest. The only problem is when the 15-day forecast says no rain and then day 12, you get 1.4 inches. So, um, <laughs> yep. you know, that's that that makes things fun because as dry as we are, we got, you know, like almost, like I said, 1.4. And mm-hmm. uh, we were back in the field in 36 hours. And wow. um, actually, we were back running um, tillage the next day. That's how dry it is. So that's... That was just weird. At the moment. Hang on, I'm turning real quick. You know, you talked yeah, about getting that, that getting that wheat seeded right now too, and and you got some dry soils. Was that that uh, 1.4 enough to really get stuff started here, and it, at least it give is. you a good seed bed? It is, and I got um, I got a neighbor just south of me that's got some in, and he's actually running his pivot on his. But we're putting them in on beds, and um, we're all furrow irrigated and flood irrigated. So we're putting them, we're putting it in on beds, and if we don't get a rain, we're, we got a rain in the forecast Tuesday and Wednesday. If that doesn't happen, we'll actually kick on the wells and throw a little water down the middle, oh, just to, just to get uh, get some moisture in the ground and get it back up. But yeah, that's you know, I really hate watering up wheat, but you know. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Way you can afford to throw a little water at it. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, hey, Jeff, uh, I know harvest uh, is just about over, and you still got a lot of work this fall, so stay safe. Really appreciate the chance to talk to you today, uh, and, uh, and good luck here with that wheat crop, too. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. 
Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. AgPhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the AgPhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the AgPhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. And we were talking about uh, putting moisture back into soybeans. We brought Tony Wendler back on. We want to talk about that just a little bit more because uh, we've got Steve on down in south central Kansas. We'll bring Steve on here as well. Uh, just talking about challenges with that. I, I know it's not uh, not just an automatic thing. It does take a little bit of management here too. So, uh, Steve, uh uh, what have you got going on there? Well, I tried this several years ago, and we did add the moisture back. But the problem was the bin swelled, and it swelled to the point we had beans leaking out the door. This was a 30,000-bushel GSI stiffened bin, so it's not a non-stiffened bin. But uh, I would caution people, yes, you can add moisture, but you got to be careful and the other thing is when you put grain in a bin the trash all goes to the outside you start pushing warm moist air up that trash tends to mold which tends to eat into your galvanizing yeah steve that's one of the things that we've talked about even on our own farm with our guys here just we're trying i'd rather have my beans too wet 
and pull a little moisture out than get them too dry because when they do get dry we have more harvest loss number one and then we have more damage in that bin well you can't just magically make that damage and the fines and all that stuff go away so no i agree with that part so tony i'm just curious if you've seen that happen before where a, a bin has swelled up and and what do you suggest so we avoid that issue how tall a bin was the uh, did he have the swelling issue in it's a uh, third no, it's a forty it's a thirty six foot diameter and then yep. what, nine rings tall. So probably thirty some feet. Yeah, um, would have been. Okay. Here's the uh, before I got into doing this, I spent some time with a uh, an older engineer at Iowa State who'd actually for his PhD did uh, studies on uh, uh, adding moisture to grain, and he could talk about corn, which is expensive, but actually he did it, uh, and other grains. But one of the things that he counseled me on, that if you take an, an ob- me, a container and you put a round object in it, half of the container is filled with object, the other half is air. So as we're expanding beans, they're expanding into the airspace and they're becoming unround. Uh, and actually, if you look at the angle of repose when you're emptying the bin, it becomes really steep. On uh, taller bins, you have an additional factor. His comments to me, he said the typical bin that you want to work with is 20 to 25 foot of sidewall depth. Uh, and then uh, he said if you're at uh, 30 feet, he said you want to start thinking about this, about splitting bins and having problems. At 40 to 60 feet, He said, if you're going to have a problem, it's going to be in a bin that size because you've got uh, compaction factor. And compaction is not through the whole bin. It's all at the bottom. And if we've already squeezed a bunch of that airspace out, those uh, and those rings are already dealing with the pressure of the weight above, you are now adding significant pressure by putting the moisture in. uh, If you're at a 30-foot depth, I tell people that 30-foot is the most you want to think about and you don't want to be putting a bunch of 6 and 8% beans into a 30-foot bin and uh, adding, uh, you know, 6, 7 points of moisture to it. That's too much. Put some 3% in there, you're going to get by. The, uh, on a 20-foot bin, you know, if you've got some uh, 7, 8% beans, you better put those in a 20-foot bin. Have yeah. zero compaction. Now, the other thing a person could do, Tony, would be to take it from one bin, put it into another bin, and I know this is work, but I also look at the price of soybeans today, and if you say, man, I got 8% beans, and I want to get them back to 13, I got a big bin, maybe you go halfway in the one bin, then you'd have to pull them out. Again, I know that's some work, but everybody's got to make their own choice. But Steve, I think you bring up a great point. Thanks for mentioning that. We appreciate it. Okay. Have a good day. Yep, you too. All right. Thanks again, Tony, for uh, for joining us again. Uh, yeah, that's something that we hadn't run into, but I, I I absolutely understand what he's talking about. And and I would have been a little concerned about that, too, in a great big bin, but we didn't know where the cutoff was. So thanks for sharing that. We appreciate it. it it's height. If, you're, if somebody's building a bean bin, what I would suggest is go with diameter, not height. And uh, the, uh, you know, 25 foot, I was... Uh, uh, there's a farmer who's close to my son's, and I helped him set up. And he had uh, those things must have been at least uh, uh, 55 or 60 foot diameter, huge, but they were only 25 feet tall. 
those are perfect bean bins for doing whatever you want because heist is not your friend in this process. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Thanks, Tony. We appreciate it. Thanks. Bye. All right, let's head out to Illinois. We've got Mike on with us right now. How's it going, Mike? Oh, just a second. Sorry, How you doing? didn't get you clicked on there, Mike. Sorry. How are you doing, Mike? Fine. Fine. Uh, just sitting there uh, picking some corn. Oh, there you go. Uh, how's our harvest going in your area? What percentage would you say, guys, are done? Uh, 60, 70 percent. Oh, we've okay. been dry, so we've been running pretty good. Yeah, we've been really dry here too through harvest, and and for the most part, it hasn't created any problems. I I know I've been really nervous about fire risk and those kinds of things with the dry air and everything, but uh, but it's gone fast. Even so, we haven't kept up. We've seen a lot of guys in our area now with thirteen percent moisture corn. How, how about you? How about in your area? Is the corn still holding some moisture? Uh, no, I'm in probably fifteen and a half percent moisture corn right now but i guess i'd rather have that than uh nine percent beans yeah yeah that's for sure no doubt about that uh <laughs> so you know in the dry conditions what did you see out there are, are you seeing any issues with standability are you losing tops in the corn or is it all hanging in pretty good uh, on us at least on mine it's actually all hanging in there pretty good right now excellent uh but about all my acres of corn were fungicide, and and all my bean acres were fungicide too. So um, that's helped. I'm sure a bunch too. Yeah, that that has. We we've definitely seen more drought tolerance when we can keep that plant as healthy as possible throughout the season. So that that's good, and it's fun running the combine. But eventually, you're going to have to face the truth here, Mike, that you're going to have to pay for some fertility <laughs> for next year, and it's not very pretty. What what's your game plan on the fertility route? Do you have manure in your area? Or are you going to have to do some uh, commercial fertilizer? What what do you do on your it's farm? Gonna be- it's going to be commercial fertilizer, um, no manure real close to my area, um, and uh, but I booked it back in uh, August. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, good move. Good move. So I don't know if that's – well, we'll see if it's a good move. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> Oh, I know. I was uh, talking to a friend this morning and, and he was saying, oh man, look what you're going to gross on your crop this year. That's wonderful. And I said, hold on, look at what my input costs are for next year. We're going to spend a lot of that money up when we have to put this next crop in. Cause uh, you know, some of the crop, some of the uh, prices on different inputs have stayed fairly stable, but uh, unfortunately stable has been pretty high. So uh, they aren't getting any breaks on, on next year's stuff. No, and it's kind of funny. They've given out prices, and then within a week they'll pull, yank the prices back and say, hold on, we're not honoring those prices anymore. Wow. Yeah, what a strange year. Hey, one one challenge we had here was rootworm in a big way. We didn't have tar spot. It didn't make it to our area. Uh, were those two concerns on your farm this year, or do you escape them? Uh, tar spot was uh luckily it didn't come in till late so it really didn't have the effect like it did last year um rootworm luckily um we started out with the variant a long time ago was in our area but with everybody spraying fungicide and when we uh i know it's maybe not the best uh management practices on pest control but we a lot of times we'll throw um 
cheap insecticide in at the same time, and it's actually um, rootworm hasn't been a big issue in this area uh, for a while. You know, we're seeing more guys doing that too with the uh, the bug bombing at at fungicide time and trying to knock out any of those adult corn rootworm beetles so they don't lay eggs. You know what? It's it's part of the great strategy of of rootworms. You got to hit them multiple times, multiple different ways, and killing those adults off is is certainly a good deal. Hey, Mike, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Stay safe the rest of this harvest season. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. Greg Souter, 360 Yield Center. It can seem like fallen hydrous is the cheapest and easiest way to supply nitrogen, but the cost of lost fall applied nitrogen can easily be $15 an acre. Shift that in application to the planter so that you know your nitrogen is at the right place at the right time to feed that growing crop. Then come back at V10 or 12 and apply just what the crop needs to finish strong. It never pays to save pennies and lose dollars of yield potential. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more. All designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient Flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, and you can email us radio at agphd.com. Let's head over to Ohio. We've got Brett on with us right now. How's it going, Brett? 
Good. How are you today? Pretty good. What you working on today? Uh, I'm ripping some ground, putting in uh, chicken litter, uh, incorporating it in the soil. Uh, also cutting beans today. Wow. Yeah. This is this is what farms are like in the fall. Lots of different jobs going on. Okay. So are you you're the guy incorporating the chicken litter right now? I am today. Yes. All right. Yeah, so a, a right. ripper and putting it in the ground as deep as we can get it. You bet. Are you allowed back in the house at the end of the day, or do you have to leave all your clothes on the front step? <laughs> uh, I, I've already uh, made the enemies of all my neighbors when we hauled it to the field. So, uh, no, uh, it's been sitting here since July, to tell you the truth. We piled it up, and uh, so they spread it uh, last, first of this week, I guess it was. And uh, actually, the smell has pretty much gone out of it, but... Uh, yeah, you you watch where you step when you come out in the field. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we got some uh, litter put on one of our fields, and and they piled it up. And one of our camera guys went out for our TV show to do a little filming, and he said, "I'm going to go over by the dirt pile there." And nobody told him it wasn't a dirt pile. He figured it out quickly. Real quick, yeah. <laughs> but I love the fertility value in litter, and I don't know what it is, but I'm curious. How long have you been doing chicken litter, and what have you noticed? I guess have you noticed an uptick in performance? Yes, we have. We've been using it now uh, three years, I guess it was. We've had neighbors that used it before, and we looked at the uh, – we had our own fertilizer spreader, and we were doing variable rate, and so we looked at uh, the price of fertile dry fertilizer – uh, now compared to the nutrients that we can get out of the chicken litter. But the thing is, I think we're, we're getting some uh, uh, micros and uh, some biozymes that are uh, actually helping the, the soil. So, uh, you know, we have to put uh, sulfur on and, and everything else while the chicken litter kind of takes care of them, about 99% of that. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. All the other things that are in manure and litter and compost and these these types of products, they they're certainly adding something to the fertility program beyond what commercial fertilizer has done. So, uh, for anybody listening that hasn't tried that but you have access, I I'd certainly recommend trying it on a field and just see see what you notice out there. Okay, you said you had other things going on on the farm too. You're taking some soybeans out. How are you coming on harvest? Uh, we're probably two-thirds done on soybeans. Uh, we quit at a little rainy spell, and uh, we actually we had to wait uh, about three days in between varieties. Uh, we're on a uh, uh, variety now. It's a 3.8 maturity, and it just wasn't quite ready. But uh, you know, the, it seems like every variety we move up, uh, we're gaining about two bushel on, so I, I think the uh, rains, we had nice rains here, except uh, two weeks in July, that uh, we had a pretty good, uh, it's not as good as last year, but we're going to have a real good crop. Yeah, it's it's rare when we get the price and we get yield so it's it's kind of fun when we do we definitely got to enjoy that and I, I like what you're doing now too putting things back to to replace that fertility how do you determine how much rate of chicken litter or commercial fertilizer you put on are you looking at just kind of well what did i remove let's put that back or have you got certain targets on your soil tests how, how do you guys do it our soil tests were a little low uh below uh, well medium range, I guess I would say, in phosphorus. 
And so this is actually the best way we can get the phosphorus. Uh, so we're looking at uh, replacing what we took off. And also we're doing tissue, tissue tests to make sure that uh, we can fill that plant up as it's growing. So uh, we went from uh, trying to dial in to make everything available uh, equally in the soil to where we're trying to pack that plant full now. It's a little change that we took on about 10 years ago. And it seems like it's working. Yeah, I think the important thing here is is uh, you're learning, you're growing, you're trying some new things, and and uh, keeping track of what you're doing too. I, I love it, Brad. I think that's fantastic. Well, good luck to you. I don't want to get too close to you for a little while, just in case <laughs> you, you stepped in the wrong spot out there. But <laughs> but uh, stay safe and uh, wish you all the best. All right, thank you. Good talking to you. You bet. Nice talking to you as well. Let's head over to Iowa. We got Justin on with us right now. How's it going, Justin? Oh, it's going great here in the southwest part of Iowa. All right. Now, you guys aren't exactly getting a ton of rainfall either where you're at. Uh, what what the crop end up looking like? Did you guys end up getting enough rain to have something decent out there? You know, we're really dry here now. Uh, we're actually finishing soybeans, uh, and they're 6.8% moisture on the monitor, which uh, oh my goodness, uh, way too dry. Driest beans I've ever cut. We've just historically low humidities but uh yeah the bean harvest is wrapping up here uh we were blessed with some rains just to give us average yields uh but yeah it's it's really been interesting the 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 variability in soils is just unbelievable here from the good soils to the to the tougher soils you know bottoms to the hills the the low-lying bottom land that is um highly permeable uh, you know, just the higher CSR, the higher, the more sandy silt loam soils are very, very good in corn, but you get up in the side hills and it's, you know, sometimes half or even less than half. Yeah, uh, yeah we're seeing that variability yield, so. all over the place, Justin. I mean, when you've got years like this where the rainfall's lacking in such a huge area, I mean, soil type made a lot of difference. Topography made a lot of difference. So, yeah, it was a big deal. You mentioned you're finishing up soybeans. How about corn? Corn is, uh, most guys are finishing soybeans. Corn, we're just getting going on corn here with uh, one of the other machines. Uh we did some wet corn early, like a lot of guys, but there's a lot of corn in the field yet. And kind of the same deal, uh, you know, corn from 100 bushel on the monitor to 300 on the monitor. And a lot of the hill farms average in 150 to 190. And some of these bottoms, you know, can can be north of two. But, uh, you know, just, just 15 to 20 percent, uh, 15 to 20 percent less than last year, I would say, on both corn and beans. So is there anything other than this moisture factor that has stood out to you on your farm? Is it like weed control, insect control, spraying a fungicide? I mean, is there any other management practice you've done that looks good or bad? You know, it's we do a lot of extra things to our crops, and there are some things that I think made a difference. But one thing that we saw last year, you know, those extra things on the beans, we had the perfect weather and we were able to hit some historical high yields, even some beans over 100 bushel here in southwest Iowa. Wow. Uh, and corn, you know, towards, you know, just a pinch over three. But but those things made a difference last year. This year, we had some custom acres that were just planted, sprayed, and combined, and those beans were about 
you know, within a few bushel and maybe just as good as the stuff we put all the extra potion on. And it just it just shows that, that the limiting factor was soil and moisture. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating. But by the same token, at least you're thinking back to, hey, last year this paid. And this is something we talk about all the time. You know, it, it, things yep. can turn out great. Things can turn out terrible. But what we do care about is the average over time. On average, do those extra things pay? So, yeah, I was just curious if, if you'd really seen anything showing up good or bad. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the, there's places the fungicide made a difference, but there's places where I don't think it added one bushel, and it just varied on soil types. It varied on, you know, maturity length of those soybeans, uh, but for the most part, I, I don't know that it paid this year, uh, uh, but, but you know, like you say, it, it's a new year tomorrow, and yep. this year this year is, is, was, was definitely... We, we've got decent yield, and like you said in the last last uh, with the last gentleman there, these prices we're still blessed with decent yields, and we're going to be able to sell it for a good price here. But probably the biggest thing we're seeing now that I've never seen, and I think everybody's seeing all over the country. We sell a lot of grain baggers that we uh, all over the country here, and I keep telling producers, look at what's going on in the basis. Yeah. The basis for what we're getting and growing is unbelievable. It's historical. Oh, I know. We've never seen these kind of basis levels uh, as we're harvesting. Yeah, it, it's something. Hey, Justin, we get a run, but thanks a lot for calling in. We appreciate it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster. That makes your spacing and depth more accurate. And that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Just because your combine is one brand doesn't mean its corn head should be the same, especially when it costs you yield. Drago Cornheads are engineered to harvest more. Lowest profile saves ears. Self-adjusting deck plates save kernels. Longer knife rollers reduce trash. And aggressive gathering chains pick up stocks. No other Cornhead works like a Drago or pays you back like one. See more features and find your Drago dealer at dragotech.com. AgPHD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, 
updates and results from our infield research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. Compromise is nice if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitech fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitech fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. And uh, get a question here that came in, radio at agphd.com from Tate. He said, I'm down in northwest Kansas. And he said, I'm looking for recommendations on our soils. We're no-till farming. And since we started no-tilling, our high pH has started to come down. I'm just curious about a few things out here, looking for some insight on these soil samples. We're working on our zinc levels. We're trying to get more phosphorus available. We're using some biologicals to try to help with that. But my question is, can we move any of these numbers before we bring our pH down, or does that have to be first? Should we be spreading products like elemental sulfur or ammonium sulfate to try to help along the way? No, actually, it would be last, adjusting the pH down. Okay, so... Let, let, let me step back here for a second. We always talk about soil pH first on a soil test. We want to know that right away. It's incredibly important. If it's low, the first money you spend is on lime. Now, when it's high, then we want to analyze, okay, why is it high? What's causing it to be high? And it may be your first dollar spent, but it may not be. So, uh, we, we we just really need you to take a look at that soil test overall and try to figure out, all right, what's really going on here? What's causing that problem? And as long as it's not something that we say, ooh, that's that's bad. We gotta we gotta we gotta adjust that immediately. Then for the most part, what we are gonna tell you is just get everything fertility wise in balance, and sometimes that may solve your high pH problem. Here's an example off our own farm. Back, I don't know, 12, let's call it 12, 15 years ago, something like that. We, we tiled some low ground we had, and we had like 1% base saturation K. The tile itself did not lower the pH like can happen sometimes. But what we did a few years later is we put on a whole bunch of potassium, raised that base saturation K from 1% up to over 4%, and immediately the soil pH came down. Now, if you would have told me, oh, all I have to do is put on potassium and my pH is going to come down? I'd have said, you're nuts. But that's exactly what we did on our farm. It worked. It was great. Now, did it completely get the pH from the low eights all the way down to where I wanted in the mid sixes? No, but it got us a half a point lower because we got that nutrient now in balance with other things. So that's that's what I'd be looking at Keep working on getting those nutrients in balance, and over time, your soil pH most likely is going to start coming down. The other thing, when you, as long as you're asking about elemental sulfur, you have to have great drainage for elemental sulfur to work. The reason why is because for elemental sulfur to convert over into hydrogen sulfate and lower that pH, you're going to need 
microbes. There are beneficial microbes in the soil. They don't do well when you don't have oxygen there. So if you have poor drainage, that's choking out all the air in the soil, the oxygen in the soil, meaning a lot of the microbes die. So anyway, long story short here with your soil tests, I just say keep doing what you're doing. Your soil pH isn't that high. You got a lot in the low sevens, nothing to get that concerned about, but you absolutely need to be addressing more of these nutrients because you got a whole bunch of them that are low. All right. Thanks for the question. Okay. Got an interesting one here, Brian. This one comes from Mike over in Michigan. He said, I'm sending you a couple of samples here. One of these samples, he said, I wanted to put 10 gallons of 28% on through my pivot just prior to tassel uh, around the end of June. I took a sample of just my water and it said it had 0.14% nitrogen. Then I took a sample a thousand feet away out by my center pivot where it was going to actually be spraying things out after I mixed 28% nitrogen at 10 gallons per acre in with the water. So it should have been fully mixed by the time I got out there. That water's 0.17% nitrogen. So my thought is rather than wasting the money on paying for 28%, maybe I should just run the pivot around one more time and I'd get just as much nitrogen out there. What do you think? Well, this is one of the things that has happened in Nebraska where we've seen certain people running water through the pivot on soybeans and there's enough nitrogen in there granted it wasn't like huge volumes but there was enough nitrogen in there that it was a little bit of foliar feeding and that's where some of the very best soybeans came from just as an example so yeah i I mean i'd keep testing though because it might have been a fluke maybe oh there's a little bit of contamination or whatever and so your first test is hey i got all this nitrogen don't think that that's going to be consistent so keep testing but yeah i agree with you if there's nitrogen in your water just keep throwing more of that water out there and you should be in pretty good shape now let me also caution you on this the more water you throw out there from irrigation, we have to be concerned about sodium, salts, drainage, all that kind of stuff. So as I'm sure you are well aware, overwatering sometimes can cause a lot of problems too. So just be at least a little bit careful. But no, I think you're on the right track there. All right. He also says uh, their CECs in their soil are 6 to 12. So that's something to think about too. So fairly how, light ground. Yeah, how you're managing that nitrogen in all your crops uh, it's going to be really important to to uh, avoid future regulation if if you end up with some problems there. All right, thanks for the question. Really like the the thinking there too, Mike. Okay, uh, got this one from Josh down in Iowa. He said, "I want to ask you guys about banding fertilizer, hopefully without the planter." I farm in north central Iowa. I've got two uncles that I farm with. And I hear you guys talk a lot about banding fertilizer on rented ground. So I'm interested in doing this on a few of our farms, but we don't have starter on our planter. I don't see us getting it anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been strip tilling corn into cover crops, and I think a liquid system would be a great addition around planting. I put a corn blend down when we make those strips in the fall. Just wondering, what are some other options where I could band fertilizer? I think you well, got a great one already. If you can band with a strip tiller, right. that's awesome. Yep. 
So that would be our number one choice because typically you're going to follow right in that row. You're going to put the fertilizer down deep in that row. That's awesome. So that's our number one choice. We've done spraying strip till. We've done, uh, we've had coulter carts going out there where we, we hope we're going to hit exactly on the row. Uh, you could certainly, if you wanted to, uh, dribble nutrients out either with the planter or like with a a sprayer and drag hoses or I mean you you've got options but yeah the best one is that strip till machine that you're running now in the fall otherwise a different coulter type machine running in the spring that'd be the next best option you know if you go out there with a the sprayer it's more of the nitrogen sulfur boron kind of thing at a side dress timing and then I, I still kind of look at that as banding because you could use something like a Y-drop system. Um, beyond that, I don't know if there's anything that's that's great that we would recommend. All right. Thanks for the question, Josh. And, and yeah, if you're interested in getting something on the planter, there are a number of different ways. I know FMC has programs like with their Capture LFR and Zyway LFR and those types of products. Also, there are liquid fertilizer companies that, that are more than happy to work with you on that if you're buying their products to to cover the cost or part of the cost, at least, of setting up your planter to do those those liquid starter type applications. Uh, thanks for the question. And, and good luck farming with your uncles, too. Okay, I uh, got this one from Bob over in Indiana. And, and Bob said, guys, you've been talking a lot about different manure sources out there. And the way I understand it, you're utilizing liquid dairy manure on your farm. My question is this. How do you set the rates that you're going to apply? First of all, uh, do you variable rate at all? Next is nitrogen. Wait, nitro- stop. Okay. Uh, nope, we don't. Go ahead. Next is nitrogen. We, we, we don't variable rate with the manure. We variable rate other things, but not the manure. Okay. Next is nitrogen your limit. And I nope. got two questions with that. Do you hit 200 pounds and stop for your corn? Nope. That's going to be 200. Or do you go by your CEC times 10? Uh, we would look more at the CEC times 10, but the biggest limiting factor is salt. That's almost always what we're bumping up against. So we're, we're going to up to 500 pounds of salt max. We really don't want to exceed that. And when we hit 500 pounds of salt, we're still not getting enough nitrogen or phosphorus for the next year's corn crop with as good as our yields are. Yeah, and the big thing is going to be just getting a good analysis of that manure, and that's a challenge. So, like, for us, we're coming out of a manure lagoon that's got millions Wait. of gallons. Yeah, but you can't say that that's that big a challenge. We, we've done uh, tests every so often as we go through the pits yes. for almost 20 years now, and it's actually surprisingly been fairly consistent. The key is getting good mixing before you ever start. Yes, that's that's where I was heading with that. So, depending on what your manure source is, whether it's dry or liquid, getting a good complete analysis of that manure and then just talking to your lab up front making sure hey i want to see how many pounds of salt are in there because that could be something that could potentially hurt my crop if i get carried away with the salt thanks for the questions today and also thanks for listening be sure to join us again each weekday for more ag phd radio